Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Today, I'm going to talk with you about a key learning I had on vacation. And I see this pattern and theme happen so often with my clients. And so I'll share my story as a window of possibility because if you can look through this and see how it can apply to your own life, where may you be doing this in your own life and putting yourself in what I call the prison walls, right? With our with the stories that we tell ourselves with what we believe is okay and not okay. So when we're vacationing, It was about a week into our vacation. So there's, you know, you have four strong-willed adults who are coming together and, you know, wanting to do things. And there's that tension, right? Families have tension. You can love each other, have a a great family, and there's tension. I think often we have this magical thinking that it's going to be so wonderful and magical. And once we have it all together, or once we have adults, it will be so much easier. What I've learned from traveling with my 22 and 20 year old is parenting is always has its challenges, right? The kids take up a lot of space. There's a lot of energy. And while I don't have to get them dressed and they're great at waking up at 3.30 in the morning, there's challenges. That's just the tension of all of us coming together, right? That's the reality. And there are many beautiful things about the holiday. And one of the things is we do like to get out and about and we agree about what we want to do. We talk about it and we we come to an agreement. And so when we were in Maine, in our first part of our trip, we spent a little bit of time in Portland, Maine. And one of the things is Maine is famous for those lighthouses. And there are quite a few, I can't remember if it's like seven or eight, but there's these lighthouses and we were looking at it. And one of my daughters came up with the idea of, hey, why don't we rent bikes and go look at them? Now, this is the beauty of having adults, right? Because they can contribute, they may look up and have some of their own ideas of what we can do. So I don't have to be 100% Julie, the cruise director from the Love Boat. So there is a beauty about that. I'm still the one that's making sure that some of the details get done. But so we did that in Portland, Maine. It was fantastic. We rode through and it was a great thing for us to do. And then we went over to Peaks Island, rode our bikes around there. Some people take the ferry across and then they rent golf carts. But since we had bikes, we were able to grab lunch, ride to the backside of the island, eat lunch overlooking the Atlantic Ocean, which water is always very soothing for me and for my family because we all have a bunch of blue minds. And we were able to enjoy that, ride through, see some more beaches, stop, you know, spend some time and then ride our bikes back. And that was a glorious day. It was fantastic. One of the things that made it really helpful was my youngest daughter. She had quite a bit of empathy for me and would, you know, would wait for me or hang back with me because I'm much slower than them. I have two collegiate athletes, two division one collegiate athletes who, you know, are young, they're 20 and 22, very fit, very strong, very fast. They've surpassed me. There was a time that I used to be faster than them, no longer. And then I have my husband who's also very fit. And then there's me who is a former athlete, right? And 
don't do as much physical activity as the three of them. So I'm much slower. He used to cycle and do triathlons and run. And so he's always been, you know, really, really fast on bikes. And I'm just slow. Like I'm a self-proclaimed sloth. Like I'm just, I just move slow. I don't have a problem with that. So we fast forward now, we go up to Acadia National Park up in Bar Harbor. And we're like, hey, we we love that bike riding. That was such a great idea. We kept talking about, wow, that was such a great idea. Let's do that again. This is such a great way to see stuff. We get to see a lot of stuff. We like to bike. We're very comfortable. We live in Davis, California. For those of you that don't know, the university is in town, the University of California, Davis, and it's a bike campus. So the campus is built to have all these bikes. I don't know if it still is, but it in the past, it's been, you know, the number one bicycle city in the country, right? So biking, my kids have done biking since they were in kindergarten, biking to school. You know, they have biked their whole lives. They're very, very good on bikes. They understand street traffic. So we feel really comfortable. This is a great skill set that I was so grateful for that my family had. And we do a lot of national parks, right? We go to Glacier, Yellowstone. We've done national parks since they were little. So we're very comfortable there. Normally, we don't bike, we typically walk and hike. But anyways, we decided to bike. And so we went into town to rent some bikes. And this is where it all started. You know, there's hills. (laughs) Portland, Maine was pretty flat. But I started to notice a problem. I was much slower than the rest of my family. Fortunately, my youngest daughter would stay back with me, you know, or she would wait for me while the other two sped off. But when we were in Bar Harbor, you know, one of the things that the rental company told us is like, oh, if you want to take the bus into the park, this is the time you need to leave. Well, that immediately was not allowed because motokitises are rough, tough, hard to bluff and used to hardship. I don't know if my daughters believe that, but that was definitely the motokitises of our family in the 90s and with my bonus kids. So I remember that. My husband remembers that. I don't know if my daughters would attribute to that. So that was kind of like already nullified. My youngest daughter and I were like, yes, I think that'd be a great idea. You know, put our bikes on the bus. And the other two were like, no, we can just bike in. So then we just, and you know, and I did, I remember I did ask, like I had a little bit of courage because I saw e-bike on the thing. And I'm like, so how much would it cost to rent the e-bike? And I noticed kind of some of the tension in my family, and maybe that was just me projecting, I don't know, right? But I just noticed. And then she started talking about there were some extra layers of complexity, right? So there was one, there was going to be an extra money, which I know my clients struggle with of like, am I worth it? Is this allowed for me to spend this on me, right? Oftentimes they'll say, I can't afford it, when it's not that they can't afford it, but they may have prison walls of beliefs of what they're allowed to spend money on or not and very limiting on what they spend for themselves versus what they'll spend for other people, right? But there are other extra layers of complexity is we'd have to rent, pick up our bikes from this shop, go to the e-bike shop, which was somewhere else, which I didn't know. And, you know, there was just, it was messy and hard and I was trying to get it done. And so I just didn't really listen to me. It's not that I didn't really listen to me. I decided, I made a decision to not to listen to what I needed and not really look at what the problem that I was trying to solve. And one of the problems, the real big problem was, how do I close the gap between my speedy, speedy family and my slow sloth-like self? And I'm going to share this with you. I have called myself a sloth before. There was some Disney movie that showed the sloth at the DMV. But 
I have no problem with it. Like I own it. And some people may say it's a bad thing to identify as a sloth. Like I've always been a slow walker. I move slow. When I was a swimmer and I was a collegiate swimmer, it took me a while to warm up and then I could go fast, right? I'm okay. I don't have, there's not judgment. I just own my story and I truly love myself with it. So I'm just going to have that little disclaimer there. So I didn't take that time to put the problem in front of us to solve it, right? What were some of the tensions? Because then there'd be judgments of why is mom so slow? She's so slow. You know, like, like I was purposely trying to be slow. I'm not purposely trying to be slow. I am slow. I'm 50. I'm slow. I'm middle-aged. I'm not as fit or strong as them. It's that simple. So here's what happened. So we rented the bikes because we did it the day before this time because we had this experience and we said, oh, let's get bikes for tomorrow. So we went and got it, you know, rented them the day before. So we go into the bike shop. My youngest daughter is not feeling well. So she winds up not going. So she gets to opt out. And then the three of us go. So I don't have like kind of my little safety net, my buffer. We get on the bikes. There's no bus. That's not allowed. We get on the bikes. The two speedies, you know, take off. I'm the one with the map. <laughs> and one of the things that we do is we tend to, you know, like it's it was like going to be a 13-mile bike ride. So, you know, it was a good bike ride. It was also the hottest day of the year in Bar Harbor. It was 85 degrees, which for where I, we live is not so hot, but it was high humidity. I was sweating at breakfast sitting at the table. So we go on this bike with my husband and my daughter and they just start taking off and I have the map and we wind up, you know, not quite knowing how to read the map. And this is what happens when you go on a new adventure, right? There's going to be mistakes. So we did like an extra five or six miles went out of the way. But as we keep clogging along or, you know, I'm clogging along, they're taking off. Over time, I start to get really upset right? I have resentment. I'm left behind. I start making these stories. It's hot. I'm sweaty. So I'm really uncomfortable. You know, I'm having a little pity party for myself because I'm so far behind. I don't know where they are. So there's all this vulnerability that's happening, right? And you start to get really frustrated. And then when I, when I finally get to them, cause they've stopped and rested, my daughter has some judgment, like, why are you so slow, mom? I'm like, I'm old and I'm slow, right? I'm not a collegiate athlete that gets to train 20 hours a week. That's just not my life right now. And I'm okay with that, but I'm slow. Like, I started realizing, like, I'm not doing this on purpose where I'm trying to be slow and make them wait. Like, this is what my output is. <laughs> so as I'm going through this, I'm just getting angrier and angrier. And there's some tears and stories of, you know, what I need is not allowed and there's more anger. And at times my husband would ride back and check in on me and I had this anger and it would kind of boil over. And I, and finally one time I said to him, I go, here's the deal. I know my body and I know what I need and don't need. And it's really important for me to speak to that and for me to know it and not be overruled. And I said, I need an e-bike. And he didn't say anything and we went on. And so one of the things that I realized was I know my needs and my abilities. And what I had done is I had given my power away because if I couldn't get validation from others, if I couldn't get that approval of like, oh yes, Corinne, of course you need that. Let us accommodate you, right? Or make sure you get that, right? Then therefore I shouldn't get it. What he will say is, you know, he never said I shouldn't or couldn't. And probably in his head, it was like, that's your thing to figure out. It's not my thing to figure out, right? But how often do we stop ourselves 
because we think other people are not allowing us to do something. And then we get mad at them and we blame them versus really thinking about what is it I need? I know my body and this is what I need to do. And this is how I can take care of it and support myself. And even if they judge it or not judge it, really staying out of that part and staying in our own business of what do I need? So what got really clear for me is, you know, stating my needs regardless of what others thought and stop waiting for someone else to give me permission or validation that it was okay. So originally it started out with this whole story because I'm just in deep struggle of like, it's my family's fault. It's my husband's fault. Everybody's doing this to me. They're, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was really grumpy and angry. And then it was like, okay, what's the problem I'm trying to solve? The problem I'm trying to solve is there's a big gap between where my family is on this bike riding and where I am. And then there was this internal struggle because then I can get into compare and despair of like, wait a second, as a coach, my husband, myself, right? And my daughter's coach swimming too, is that one of the things is the weaker swimmer, we don't leave them the behind the way I was getting left behind. We adjust it, right? It's about duration. And so if for me, it would be what accommodations that can I give to the weaker swimmer to help them be with the other people? Because it's about the duration of work, right? The duration of work was in some ways much higher for me because it took me so much longer. Now my output, some cyclists would be like, Corinne, your output was so slow, you weren't doing much, right? So I was getting a bit frustrated because the duration of work was taking much longer for me than it was for those others. So in the end, I stated my needs and I stopped waiting for someone else to give me permission or validation that it was okay. That started to change how I felt instead of like this victim, instead of, oh, whoa, this happened to me and being angry and frustrated, right? It was like, wait, this is what I need. And I'm an adult, right? I'm a 50-year-old woman. So my invitation for you is where in your life do you do this? right? Where in your life do you not give yourself your own permission? Where in your life do you not give yourself the space and the time to think about what you need because you may be concerned about the judgments or the perceptions of others? And where may it also be of like, oh, this is just not allowed. And so you move forward instead of going, but what do I need? So here's the, I guess the Cinderella happy ending is the next day. I had an idea like, hey, let's do this again because I actually really liked it. After I got over my anger and my resentment and my tears, when I really got down to it, I really liked it. And I wanted to do the bike ride again. It was beautiful. These carriage roads that were built, it's gorgeous, right? The air, it was fantastic. And I wanted to do it again. And I know one of the things that we know about our families, we often do better with day two or trip two. Like when we get back on repeat, we tend to do better because there's less vulnerability. We've done it, right? So what I knew I needed was to get an e-bike. And my girls were a bit envious at first, like, how come mom gets an e-bike and we don't, right? Because they're like, we want an e-bike. We want it to be easier. At the end of the day, and they're like, oh, okay, whatever. Like they weren't as, it wasn't as great. But overall, it was so much more enjoyable for all of us, right? They didn't have to deal with a mom who was mad or angry or in tears, They didn't have to wait for me as much. We went through it. We didn't get lost and add that extra six miles. So 
it worked out to be a much better day. And it was actually something I wanted to do. It was my idea to say, hey, let's do this tomorrow. And this is what I'd like. And if we do it, I'm going to rent an e-bike. So for a couple of weeks, the story I had was I wasn't allowed. And then I had to like, you know, stand up for myself and speak my truth, right? And I carried that story. But then as I continued to impact our holiday, one day I realized I didn't rent the e-bike because what I believed was okay or allowed. No one told me, right? Our family, we have mantras. I shared with you, you know, rough, tough, hard to bluff and used to hardship. I'm going to have to talk with my kids because I don't know if that's something that's really ingrained in them as much as it's ingrained in me because that was with our older kids when they were young. We used to talk about that. And I'm not a big fan of that mantra anymore anyways, because I also believe in rest and taking care of yourself. (laughs) But one of the things that we do have a family mantra is like, we do hard things, right? That there's a sign in our kitchen that says we do hard things. And yes, I can do hard things. And it doesn't have to be grueling hard, especially if there's going to be resentment. It's either go on the bike ride or not go on the bike ride. That's all or nothing thinking. Or what's something that can support me and support the family and the e-bike, right? It was a, it's not a true e-bike. It's like a level one or something. It's pedal assisted because there's no motors allowed. But that little bit of assistance made a huge difference, right? And it made it so much more fun. So I had to unpack these stories that I had, right? And and I, again, I see this occurring with my clients as well. It's like concern of how one will be perceived or judged by others. Beliefs that what they want is not allowed or it's too much. And often what's happening is no one is telling them, but my clients aren't allowing themselves to do it. And they hold on to a story that others aren't allowing them and putting them into the prisons. So one of my favorite questions to ask my clients is to have them look at what is the other person or system's part in this problem, and what is their part in this problem. So we're going to unpack mine just as an example to give you ideas as you go through and do this for yourself. So my family systems part are these stories, right? We do hard things. We're rough, tough, hard to bluff, and used to hardship. We don't take shortcuts. We don't waste money, right? We don't waste time. My part is not listening to what I needed, right? Ignoring the problem of the gap between my family and myself while writing. And my part is not identifying and taking the time to put the problem in front of us. You know, we weren't in a rush. It was the day before in the afternoon, we'd eaten lunch And we were, you know, milling through and allowing that space to rumble and go, okay, I understand you don't want to take the bus up there. Here's what I want to do. And taking that time and using my voice, right? So when we can identify what is the other person's part, what is my part? Instead of believing in it all on somebody else or some system or some organization, right? There's often both of us that are contributing. So in the end, one of the things that I came away with, one of the other things is that I'm learning, right? That day in Acadia National Park, there were tears, anger, frustration, and lots of stories while I was on that bike. And there was the beauty of the trees, the smell of the air, 
the fun of being on the bike. And that's truly what happens, right? And my husband would ride back to check in on me. This is on day one. And as I felt my feelings and realized there was a problem, because that's the beauty, my friend, right? 20 years ago, I wouldn't even felt it. Everything would have risen and then I would have offloaded my pain. I could feel it and I let it rumble. I didn't argue with it. And then I started realizing it was here to tell me that there was a problem that I wasn't paying attention to. And I realized that, oh, I'm still learning to use my voice, right? One of the things that I've worked on and most people think I'm really brave and I can be outspoken and I own my voice and there are still arenas, there's still areas where I am working on owning my voice, right? And there's old patterns, especially as one of my clients pointed out this week, in intimate relationships, right? Such as family members, where these old patterns can come back quickly. And one of the things that I'm so proud about is that day I was proud of myself to own my voice and put forward what I needed regardless of what others thought or were the case or not. And especially in the form of, you know, athleticism, especially because that's such a high value in my family and, you know, and being good athletes and being fit. And I don't identify as an athlete. I'm a middle-aged woman, right? Who is a former athlete. And I'm really comfortable with that. Like I'm with sloth, but it was still something that was a struggle, right? To say, this is what I need. And I'm not weak by needing this. So isn't that interesting, the contrast? I can identify as a sloth. I can identify as a middle-aged woman. I won't identify as an athlete. But it was challenging to say, hey, I need this e-bike, right? Because that kind of chips away at some of my own identity, you know, and there's some shame to that. So that day, I was really proud of myself. And one of the things that I'm really proud of myself is that I realized, because I caught myself, I wanted to beat myself up and said, seriously? I'm still learning this, right? Why don't I already know this? And I caught that immediately. And I said, oh, I am still learning. I am learning. Isn't this great? I am learning. I didn't plan to go on a bike ride in Acadia National Park and learn. I plan to go on a bike ride, see beautiful things and enjoy myself and have magical, you know, expectations of how it's going to be great. But I came away with huge learnings. And a few weeks later, as I had more space and I reflected about it, I realized my own part. So that's something that's really important too, because sometimes we think, oh, we need to figure this all out right now. And oftentimes I find we need to have space. And as we step further away from it, it gives us more time to have more perspective. So my friend, this is what empowerment looks like. When we learn, listen to what we need and put it forth, regardless of popular opinion or other people's perceptions or judgment. My day two of biking in the Acadia National Park was glorious and fun. And throughout the trip, when I would forget to, you know, or silence myself and not put forward what I needed, I would go back to the e-bike and say, oh yes, this is the lesson that I'm learning. Listen to what it is you need. It's okay to ask for what you want. It's okay to take what you want. So. As you go through your days, what is your part that is not allowing you to show up or ask for what you need? What is the system's part? What is the family's part? What is the other person's part that may have contributed? And in the end, what is it that you need? What is it that you want?
All right, my friend, I'm smelling big for you. My friend, you know that your voice matters. It matters to me. And so we're going to do two things here. We're going to one practice on your voice mattering and you owning your voice. And the other is preserving your brain juice. So the first thing I want you to go do is share your voice. Leave a review of the show on iTunes. Tell me what you love. Tell me why you're here. Your voice matters. And the second thing, if you haven't done it already, preserve your brain juice by making sure you hit the subscribe button and you're subscribed to the show. I'm smiling big for you. I can't wait to give you a shout out on the show in the future. Until next time. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide awake.